Get ready. You're tuned in to Tea Time Unfiltered with your girl, Lovely Tea, bringing you the hottest trending topics on social media. Stay connected. Instagram.com slash Lovely Tea 2002. Hey, you guys. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time Unfiltered with your girl, Lovely Tea. Hey, Tea Sippers. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode. So I got my boy back with me here, Tiny. He's been MIA. I know y'all been asking for him, honey. I don't drug him out the woodwork. Say what's up to the people, Tiny. Hello, everybody. All right. So you guys know that Tiny is a huge fan of the Joe Budden podcast. He's the one who really kind of put me up on it because I never watched it. I never paid attention to it. I didn't really know much about his podcast until he left Complex and he left Everyday Struggle with DJ Academics. So when that drama went on, then he went back to his podcast. So that's when I kind of slowly learned about it. But Tiny's been a big fan of the show for years. So he's been keeping me abreast with all this drama that's been going on for like the past few months. So yesterday it went down. So if y'all don't know, Mal took to Twitter and he basically said, I've been cool and quiet for too long. I'm allowed to get out of character for at least an hour, maybe 40 minutes. The truth is usually short and simple. So he posted that. And then about an hour or so later, him and Rory went live and they did a whole little podcast segment and we got a chance to watch it. So this is what we're going to talk about tonight on Tea Time Unfiltered. So, Tiny, how did you feel when you first heard that they were going to respond? And how did you feel when you, you know, watching everything play out? I was excited. I was looking forward to hearing what they had to say in response because Joe up to this point has said a lot. So Mm -hmm. I just thought that it would be interesting to hear their take on everything. We all know there's uh, three sides to a story, his side, their side and the truth. Facts. And what was so interesting about this, because it was it was different to see them out of their element, but they were saying a lot of truth because it seemed like for so long, Joe was painting a narrative kind of like they were ungrateful. They were workers. Then we find out that they were getting a percentage of the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because this is something that was brought up by academics by Charlemagne, by a bunch of other naysayers good bad and indifferent and everybody was like y'all there's little hints that have been thrown over the years like are y'all really seeing how this is going down are y'all really like up on y'all's business with y'all's contract looking like so it was always something that was it was always an undercurrent but it seemed like as long as everything was going good we we're making money we we're rolling nobody really cared Right. And I think the problem, too, is when people go into things, you know, what I'm saying as friends, I think they all went into it like, OK, we want to help him get the show off the ground. Because remember, when everything first really went down, um, it happened after the whole complex situation. Mm-hmm. So DJ Academics had been doing his thing. Complex was not even at a million subscribers. So when he went over there, he bought his so-called chat niggas. So they were the bulk of the audience over that complex. Nobody was really fanboying over Joe like that. You know, he was like the angry uncle snapping on the Migos and little Yachty. So he he knew how to create viral moments. So I think that's what really helped him. He was able to rebrand himself because of DJ Academics and Complex. And then he left them just high and dry. 
And he claimed it was because of bad contracts and, you know, how the industry is trying to play him. So it's very funny that we fast forward almost three years later. And now he's being accused of being industry and not practicing what he's been preaching. It's actually because of, according from his own mouth, it's because of what was going to happen with Complex. Complex had made a deal or was acquired by Verizon. Mm-hmm. And during that acquisition, Joe found out by poking around and asking questions that they were being paid for certain things. Complex was. And Joe was like, how come we're not seeing any of this money? Like, where's it going to? It's mm-hmm. ironic because these are the same issues that Rory were bringing up with him. If we do, if we're bringing this to the table, how come we're not benefiting from it? Right. Because they even made a point where they said that they could sell out uh, like not a whole arena, but let's say like a little stadium or whatever, or they sell tickets, 2,500 tickets for a show. Another show, they might sell 3,000 tickets. And when they first started, they might have been selling 1,500. They were getting paid the same regardless. Exactly. So that right there was causing some alarms. And I just think it's really sad because Joe knows how it is to be shitted on by the industry and to get played. And I believe that his ego, he's very narcissistic to me, in my personal opinion, his ego definitely got the best of him. It started to become, and even when you would send me clips, especially with the whole Spotify situation, it was always I, me, myself. It was never we. And remember, I would always ask you, aren't, isn't this like a podcast? Aren't all three of them together in this? Because the way he talks, it's just Joe. It's the hypocrisy of it all. Even the fact that on his podcast, one of the things they always talked about was his music career, how he's been ripped off his whole career, shady business dealings, other people's business, which is something that he got into it with Gilly the Kid over, discussing their business and what went down and what didn't go down. So it's very interesting that you guys end up in this situation. It's like that rapper that always raps about the industry being so shady and people really need to check their paperwork. And then we find out later that they had bad paperwork. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just very ironic and very, very interesting. And I think it's, it's dope that you pointed out that this really all started back at Complex. And his whole issue and his whole crusade was creatives versus corporate. And now he's acting very corporate. Right. And I feel like even back then he was, let's keep it real. To me, he was social climbing because Mm -hmm. if you think about it, I didn't even know he had a podcast before complex, never heard of it. They said he had it with some girl and then the girl, cause she was talking, I ended up watching her interview with Adam 22 on no jumper. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about how Joe button just fired her out the blue, refused Mm -hmm. to take her phone calls, respond to her text message. Never seen this girl day in my life, but I guess she had started the podcast with Joe and Rosenberg because Hot 97 was dragging Joe Button too. Rosenberg was, I guess, instrumental in starting his podcast or planting the bug mm-hmm. and getting him the studio. So it seems like he's had a track record of using people when they can benefit him. And then once he feels like he can go on to something bigger and better, he just drops them like hotcakes. Because we didn't have a, we didn't have anything. We just had so Rosenberg put us on SoundCloud and right. iTunes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Rosenberg is a very, I love him, but he's a very sensitive guy. So he like goes off on things. And so they had this gay ass tit for tat back and forth. So I come in one morning and Rosenberg's like, I went in on your boy on air. And I was like, cool. I literally <coughs> didn't even ask what he said because I just don't care about their stupid little beef. Like six hours later, I got a text from Joe that said, you're fired. Literally zero context. There's no, I have no idea what happened. 
And I wrote back, what? And then he wrote back, you are fired. Like, he untipped the, con- the apostrophe. <laughs> um, and so I called him a couple times, and he didn't answer. And I'm like, what the fuck? And so then the next day, Rory calls me like, yo, y'all got to talk. We got to get this sorted out. I'm like, I still don't know what the fuck happened. But to be honest with you, I don't even want to talk because there's no way, there's no mind frame that you can describe to me that makes it okay how he went about it like at all like any there's no way you could justify that even if you thought you heard i said this that or the third the fact you couldn't pick up the phone and have a conversation with me and you just he he was waiting for that he wanted i think he wanted an out the vibe i'm getting because when you think about it he used dj academics his fan base you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. complex to basically reinvent himself then once he thought he was bigger than the complex show then he decided to take all that because by then he had people hooked on his personality mm-hmm. you want to know what would joe say next you know what's joe going to do and so that's why he just left the show the way he did and then went ran back to his own podcast so at this point he done bought a whole new audience who was never checking for his podcast before this to his podcast so at that point academics is not there who can i use you know what i'm saying to still keep everything going and then hence that's when he bought in rory and then eventually they bought in mal yeah yep or Ma, jamal right that's his name yeah, yeah. i always call him mal because the way it's spelled and then mm-hmm. baby's like, oh, new worrying male. But I guess he's saying male hoodie. So <laughs> so I feel like all he did literally was just social climb off of people. You can say, well, Joe's been famous and he was on Love and Hip Hop. Let's not act like he was a Stevie J. Even when he ended up getting, you know, when he left Love and Hip Hop, nobody cared. People moved on. <laughs> it was never like one of those main Love and Hip Hop characters. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, even his, yeah, like even his storyline, nobody really cared about it one way or another you know and it's like he's always had to do these reality television type stints to keep himself fresh in the public's mind if he's not on reality tv nobody was checking for him so really this podcast was really a blessing because he was really able to reinvent himself and he ended up you know i'll always give him props he ended up having one of the most successful podcasts out here out of all of these so-called celebrities. And so to see that the paperwork was not tight, to see that his friends were basically used and, you know, kind of pushed to the wayside is really unnerving. I mean, they were saying a lot of real stuff in that. And I just hope that people really take this as a lesson. You know, that when you go into business, you need to understand there's a big difference between friendship and business. And it seemed like from day one, he was acting funny anytime it came to money talks, contracts and i think that should have been a red flag to um at least to rory we should just have that conversation anyways because we're starting to get real offers not just little ads here and there like right fifteen hundred dollars twenty five hundred dollars right like, we're getting actual offers are they mm-hmm. crazy offers no but they're offers so we should just do this because we're all friends let's just get a, a binding contract between all of us right nothing crazy nothing to a specific deal right nothing to a lump sum of money just a percentage-based shit let's just do that mm-hmm Call Joe, and I say that to him. This was one of the first conversations I'd ever really been offended to Joe, and I've expressed this to him. He flipped the fuck out, called me insecure for wanting to have a contract, Hmm. and said, don't call me about this shit. (laughs) I said, I'm insecure because I think we're all friends, and I want to have a a contract since all these deals are coming in. So once the deals are finalized, the three of us don't have to say a fucking word to each other. We good. We can continue on with this chemistry of this podcast. Right. But I'm insecure. Mm-hmm. With some people, like especially for guys, 
uh, if it's something that involves their girl or girls, that's their that's their weak spot. Or some people, it might be something else. With a lot of people, it's money. Somebody will be so cool. They'll be ride or die. They'll be loyal. They'll, this person will jump in front of a bullet for you. But then mm-hmm. you bring something in, and that's that X factor. For him, it's money. Yeah. And I think also, too, think about it like this. He was a washed up rapper that most people had been dismissed. The only song I remember from Joe Budden was Pump It Up. (laughs) So this really revived him. So it's almost like, think about it like back in high school, right? Mm -hmm. You were like the ugly duckling. And now fast forward five years later, you're that girl. You're that guy. You're the shit. Mm-hmm. That can really stroke somebody's ego. So now it's almost like, yeah, industry, y'all used to shit on me and tell me I was irrelevant. Now I'm telling the people, I'm shifting the culture and I'm letting people know who's irrelevant in the industry as far as music and mm-hmm. hip hop and culture and R&B and things like that. So now he's really a force to be reckoned with. And I think that really went to his head. Definitely. I mean, even just being a rapper from the beginning, most rappers have huge egos to begin with. Mm-hmm. So then to become, to go into another lane and find success in that lane. And a lot of that success, let's be real, was found on talking about other people, talking about other rappers. Mm-hmm. And, and to build off of that, I think, let's just be real, what people really respected about Joe Budden or respect about him is his ability to get a check. He had the thing with Complex. Complex is like you said, what really blew him up when he snapped on little Yachty. That got him a lot of attention. Well, just ask yeah, you don't sound like you're very aware but what with what's it? going on, and you one of the hottest niggas on earth. But what do you want me to say? You want me to say I want uh, you to uh, be uh, aware uh, of your business. I want you to know whether you're in a 360 or not. I want you to appreciate the culture that changed your life uh, and took you from college dorm room eating fucking oodles and noodles. I want you who's well spoken and articulates himself well. My nigga. Chill. People started tuning in. They wanted to hear his rants. They wanted to see what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. He simultaneously ended up on Love and Hip Hop because he's always had this reputation in his history of dating some of the baddest chicks that were in hip hop. He used to mess with Esther Baxter. He was with, of course, Tahiri. So that then people start seeing that, you know, you're rubbing elbows with Hitmaker. You're, you're doing this. You have all this inside industry knowledge. So people are gravitating towards you because of that. Then we next, we know you do this deal with Revolt. All oh, this is a good look. And I think people just respect that. We respect people even if we don't like them when they're making moves. And you right. see them working. We can see your come up. Everybody likes it. I said that with everybody. It's always beautiful to see somebody on their come up. Mm-hmm. Once they come up, though, shit switches. And I can give you a million examples of that. Off the top of my head, DJ Khaled comes to mind. When DJ Khaled was first putting out those albums, they were the shit. Everybody was rocking with Khaled. He was breaking all these new artists. He was working with all these big names, putting people together on songs you never thought you would see. Once he became complacent, we ended up where we're at now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Remember, still even Khaled. wasn't that like a year ago or two years ago when he was going off on um, the group from Odd Future? Mm-hmm. Like he was mad. Yeah, he was mad at Tyler, the creator, because he ended up being nominated and winning a Grammy. And it's like, how dare you even compare yourself to an artist? Like, you're literally getting all <laughs> these artists together and putting them on your mixtape. Two totally different things. But and that's how arrogant and comfortable he got. Arrogant and comfortable. So when what you've been doing that's been working stops working because we're used to it, you don't know what to do. And I think that's what's happening with Joe, too. You've done something for so long. And then you started to switch up and you started to kind of rest on your orals. And then the show started to take a nosedive. 
I thought all of this was a publicity stunt. It was a rollout. It was a good way to get people's attention. To find out that it was real was kind of disappointing as a fan of the podcast because... So today's sponsor comes from BetterHelp.com. Are there certain things that are interfering with your happiness? Is there something that's preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, BetterHelp is here to assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. You can speak to them in a safe and comfortable environment and everything will be confidential. BetterHelp is convenient, professional, and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are are now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. If you want to start living a happier life today, as a listener, you can get 10% off your very first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash sip slow. That is my code to get the 10% off. Over 1 million people are taking charge of their mental health by talking to licensed professional counselors who specialize in a variety of things. Everything from depression to stress, anxiety, relationship issues, sleeping, trauma, and much more. So once again, if you are looking for some type of mental health support, make sure you go on to betterhelp.com slash sip slow to get 10% off today. Everybody saw the decline and the dip in their content and it was getting uninteresting and mm-hmm. to find out it was becoming uninteresting because all this tension was happening behind the scenes and you could see it and they did a horrible job of hiding it. Like I said, I was telling you, like we could go back episode for episode and I can point out on each episode that's something's funny right there. Something's funny right there. Joe announces that he just became the creative director at Patreon and the look on their faces. Right. We talked about that back when he announced it. I'm like, well, why are they looking all shocked? Like they have no idea what's going on. Then we find out they had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Cause he said it on the, on the thing with Mal that he didn't understand or Ma, like he didn't understand. They hadn't heard of this. They heard it when Joe told us as the audience, so you could see the look in their face and you could look at Ma's demeanor. He tensed up and he just looked like, what the hell is this dude talking about? Patreon deal comes around. I don't know a single fucking thing about it. I find out on the air with no, the rest of y'all. No, I saw we, all y'all jokes. We they, don't know they, about they were correct. <laughs> right. yeah, no. Had Let's no be idea. transparent. Got on there. All right. You're the head of creator equity. Cool. But prior to that, we were talking about starting a Patreon page with our shit. Right. Which... By the way, is not you don't have to have a deal with Patreon to start a Patreon page. It's just the irony of it all. You guys have sat on that podcast and talked about rapper. Y'all have interviewed rappers on there, and they get to talking about how, well, I really didn't know it was in my contract. Well, how did you not know it was in the contract? Whole time, you don't know it's in your goddamn contract. Mm, talk about it. That's just interesting as hell, like the hypocrisy and because remember, that was what caused Joe Button to go viral because he was going off on little Yachty mm-hmm. for not knowing what a 360 deal was and what was in his contract. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, just talking to him so condescendingly and saying, this is why I go off because y'all little niggas don't know nothing. You know, y'all just so happy to be in the industry and this and that. And then to find out that he didn't have no clear, concise contract with his own friends. You know what I just figured out during this conversation? Mm-hmm. What Joe Button's real problem is? He has a he he's, he's good at certain stuff that he does. He's really good at it. There, there are, he he has a, a very redeeming quality about him. He's very obnoxious, can be annoying, all that shouting and shit. But people accept that because if there's some truth within what he's saying, people respect right. that. His problem is this: in any situation he's been in, the shit with Slaughterhouse, the shit when he was at Def Jam and went on and tried to like smear it. You know what I'm saying? Try to shit on Jeff Jeff everywhere he's gone. He's overvalued himself. Mm. he's always overvalued himself. 
when he was having the issues with loving hip hop, he wanted way more money than they were willing to pay him. Right. Complex. He wanted way more money than they were willing to pay him. All the way up until now, he wants to have way more say so than it's, it's just a, a matter of him. You know what I'm saying? Not knowing his true worth and overvaluing himself. And sometimes that can help you. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying? They say, ask for the moon and you'll be surprised how many times you get, you know what I'm saying? You get the stars and everything that comes with it. Right. But sometimes you can overextend yourself and play yourself. And I think that's what keeps happening. So. And remember Charlamagne, the guy said the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when he sat there and he blasted Spotify and, you know, Spotify and then went in on like the deal and just told out the business. Mm-hmm. And Charlamagne is saying, like, how are you trying to compare yourself to Joe Rogan? Like, mm-hmm. yes, you have a big hip hop podcast, but you're no Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's been doing this shit for 10 plus years. I remember in this movie with Chris Rock, uh, what was it? Uh, I think I love my wife. Uh huh. You ever seen that? There was a scene where he was fucking up at work or whatever, and his boss calls him into the office, and they have this big ass wood table. You know how it is in those big offices with the big tables. Right. He pulls out a quarter, twenty five cents, and he puts it on a quarter. He said, "If this table represents all of our business, this is what you bring into this company," and puts the quarter on the table. That's Joe Button comparing himself to Joe Rogan. Mm. Like, how the fuck do you think that? You know what I'm saying? Right. Because this whole issue was, well, if you guys are giving Joe Rogan $250 million, there's no way in hell we shouldn't be getting $100 million. Yeah, your podcast is on fire, but you're in this one little genre. This dude is global. This dude is, you know what I'm saying? He's reaching Bye. markets that you're we're probably never going to reach with your podcast. So sometimes people overvalue themselves. We see it all the time. We see rappers turn down deal. 50 Cent talks about all the time about artists that he was going to sign or help and they were like, well, I need 10 million. He's like, nigga, you haven't sold a record yet. You don't even have a, <laughs> you barely got a mixtape out. You want 10 million? Like, well, nah, all right, never mind. Right. And, and then I, you don't see or hear from them artists ever. Yeah. Then I think, like uh, Maul said, once Joe started getting access to certain people that he never could talk to before, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You're rubbing elbows with Puff. You're mm-hmm. finally having these conversations with Jay Z because all these people see some type of value in you now and they can make money. You might be misinterpreting that as your equals, and you're not. So then, what do you do? You start shitting on the people. You start identifying everybody around you as the help. Right. What is yeah, isn't it funny that his mentality now is kind of like what Diddy did to a lot of his yeah. own artists and so-called friends on his label? Yeah, and it's not like they didn't help usher in this arrogance. You let this fool name the podcast, the mm. Joe Button podcast. Well, what do you think is going to happen? It's his namesake on there, so. Right. The podcast, this was interesting. The original name of the podcast was I'll name this podcast later. Then it became the Joe Budden podcast. Did you see what the name of Rory and Mal's uh, rebuttal was? Uh-uh. I'll name this response later. Oh, I didn't even peep that. Yeah. It's deep. Like, just to see all this unfold, it's deep, but it's really kind of corny. It shows you how grown men can sour their friendship over bullshit. Like, because everybody's saying we're all paid, we're all paid. Well, then this should be easy to, to, to settle and to work out. But you see, when egos get involved and people mm-hmm. start doing all this, because as much as we want to make Joe out to be a villain, they're just as accountable for this, like falling right. apart. And especially being that they talk shit about other people who didn't have themselves together, 
who didn't do what they had to do. And then to find out that they were in that same situation while judging others is very, very interesting. And then, you know, another thing, like you were just saying, they did allow him to feel like he was the one who owned the podcast and they were the workers because they went in and were willing to be on a podcast named the Joe Button Podcast. Exactly. It's not called Joe Button and Friends or Joe Button, Rory and Maul. It's the Joe Button podcast. And I think that's where they messed up. And I know Charlamagne had pointed that out as well. I still think it should be our name this podcast later. I don't know why y'all let him change it to the Joe Button podcast. Just, just you know, but this guy's volunteering <laughs> more of his fucking thoughts. I, know, I thought right? y'all was a group. <laughs> <laughs> I thought y'all was a group. Your little academic tactic won't work here. But I'm just saying, like, imagine if Destiny's Child came back together. It can't be called the Beyonce Listen, album. He's trying to divide and conquer the same way he did by getting an act on his podcast. We're gonna about talk. Us. I can't wait know, to talk about all. I'm on, I'm on, I'm I can't wait to talk about all. Of it. Well, that. I'd like to know, and I think I also speak for more. Uh, why are we salty? Mm. Why are y'all get, salty? If I remember correctly, oh, on the last, oh, oh, oh. Well, listen, uh, you I had brought be, up some I'll, tweets, yeah, some I things would, I said on the podcast. I, Apparently, yes. I am salty at DJ Academics. Mm. You got a little hate towards academics. You might be uh, right, Rory. Uh, why? Because I think you know that he's going to take your spot eventually. Joe's got to do his best for his brand. <laughs> Wait, you think, already, <laughs> you think Joe's got to do his me, best for his brand? And I'm going to do a lot. I don't, listen, I'm gonna, I'm oh just, my god! This is just my assessment, right? I love this. I don't know how close you and Joe are. To me, it seems like Joe and Mal have been knowing each other for a long time. Mm. I feel like Joe is loyal to his friends. Okay, so the guys Joe and I he meets through friends. the industry, y'all kind of disposable. So I want to go ahead and just play a snippet really quick of some things that Rory was saying uh, during the whole podcast situation. So go ahead and listen to this real quick. I can just see it, that people are just overworked. No, 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 I wasn't saying it. They, they expressed it to us. I'm, it's not my place to say, even no, though they it's said it's my place to say. No, no, even though they said their place about me, I still don't return the favor when people do shit to me. I'm saying it. People expressed that they were overworked and underpaid. So I say to Ian... And Ian and Joe, I don't care what narratives you spend, anything, whatever. I said to Ian, don't pay me this month or next. Don't, don't give me that amount of money. I remember. And that was a lot of fucking money. I mean, I said, don't pay me. Let's put it into production. Let's put it into the guys. This is not about money to me. Let Let's keep this down. shit moving. Right. Like, I don't need this shit. Right. We can just stick to whatever contract. I don't need this. Like, I don't need it right now. Because I mean, you even came to me with that. You was like, yo, we should the first month. Patreon check, we should both just give it to the guys. Yeah. Camera guys, Savon, Valley. Like, these people. Parks. Everyone looks Parks. like there's Parks. Working crazy. Parks. All right. It was funny how he kept saying parts over and over. But mm -hmm. I thought this part of the interview was really important because, you know, looking at it, like, why would Joe be offended because, my, uh, because Rory, excuse me, is saying that. Let's take what we first make on Patreon and give it to the guys because morale is down. They're tired. They've been doing the same thing. You know, they're complaining because they feel like they, they checks is funny, too, compared to Joe wearing all this Fendi and wearing these nice ass hats. You know, people are counting his pockets now. And then he said that Joe snapped on him, went off on him. But I think Joe went off on him because, again, Joe being the boss and the you know so-called leader, it makes him look bad that the help. Dunn came up with the idea to help the rest of the peasants. Exactly. And just the fact that who do you think you guys are to make an executive decision like that? Mm. They're like, well, we're partners in this shit. But he's looking at it like, I'm the boss. No, how dare you? Yeah. Which is interesting because then 
he took offense to when Maul said it when he told Rory to take a couple episodes off and Maul confronted him on that. Like, who are you to tell him to take a couple episodes off? It's the same argument, just in reverse. Oh, oh, Maul, you know, what happens on this podcast is none of your business. This nigga just told me this podcast is none of my business. Look me in my eyes and said it's none of my business. That for me said everything. You finally just said it, but you've been feeling like that, nigga. You've been moving like that. Which you just finally said shit. it. We were naive and thinking friends. Because I'm thinking it. you my man. There was cues to it. There's <laughs> plenty of times we traveling, we touring. I'm like, yo, fam, how am I getting the same payout when we sell 1,500 seats and we sell 2,000 seats? You think I'm stupid? How am I still getting the same money for that? That right there is, is extremely insulting because it was Maul and Rory's business when you needed them to go on tour. It was Maul and Rory's business when y'all needed them to sell t-shirts, merchandise, tickets, subscriptions. Exactly. People signed up to that Patreon for Joe Budden, Rory, and Mal. Maul. Behind the scenes exclusive. That's what they signed up for. And they're not getting that. So you obviously needed them to push certain things for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Now I'm very surprised too when they were talking about the splits. They're saying that they're, you know, they're getting money on the back end through percentages and things like that. And when you are getting a, a partner percentage, you do need to know the books. Mm-hmm. You need to know everything that comes in for the podcast. Um, but I don't even think that they were even getting money like that. Or you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Towards what they were doing on tour. It seemed like they were just kind of getting paid whatever he felt they needed to get paid. It doesn't seem like everything was calculated fairly. And then another thing I really find interesting is that they keep saying that he wasn't making any money off of YouTube. Mm -hmm. That don't sit well with me. Yeah, that's because bullshit. even though he doesn't have ads that run, mm-hmm. one, I don't understand why he doesn't have ads running on his YouTube channel because one, he's a celebrity, he's verified, mm-hmm. and those are the easiest channels to push ads and, and, and content through. He claims he doesn't do that because they get such a big bag on the back end. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to do the ad thing because it interrupts the flow. I get that. But even if you're not running any type of ads, there's some type of YouTube revenue being exchanged. And the reason why I say this is because if there wasn't, why did he not just start the podcast with his boys? Once they got the flow going, why didn't they just start a separate YouTube channel for strictly the podcast? Mm -hmm. He didn't start that separate channel because... It's on his Joe Budden channel, which was also his music channel, his videos, because he knows people coming to the podcast will make them look at his music videos, which he gets paid for, which ads run on. <laughs> so there's still a benefit on the back end for Joe for putting those podcasts on that channel. Plus, it helped that channel grow. Joe Budden was nowhere near a million subscribers, period, before they started doing the podcast with Rory and Mal. He just wasn't. He was trying to slick a can of oil, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, no, nah, I'm not tripping off of this. Go ahead, do your thing. And then the whole time, you got some other channel, you got some other stream of revenue coming in, unbeknownst to everybody else. We've seen this a thousand times. That's why I'm just not buying the whole nobody's getting paid off of YouTube. He's definitely getting some revenue off of YouTube. Because even the, the they might talk about some controversial stuff, but not really. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is just, you know, them shooting the shit, having fun. You know, it's not like they're just up there cursing every five, six, you know, five, mm-hmm. six seconds. So for the most part, their stuff is advertiser friendly. 
So he, he's definitely getting some type of kickback or benefit from YouTube that these ones are not getting. Anything that was uploaded onto that channel with them visually and audioly, mm -hmm. they should have been compensated for. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. But hits him, like you said, playing off the fact that it's his name on everything. It, mm -hmm. They helped him create an environment where he could say, I'm the main draw to all this. And he said so much when he was on his rant. My name is on everything. Everybody looks at me if the pod doesn't go up. If we don't air the pod because you guys decided to take a break. He also They also gave him the opportunity to create the narrative and paint this picture that they abandoned the show, even though he agreed and told them, let's take a break. Let's go to our respective corners and all that shit that he was saying. Right, because they said they had no idea that he was going to do the podcast with, with Ish and um, Ice. Because they had assumed that when he told everybody to go to their respective corners and take a break, everybody was taking a break. Everything was going to be on hiatus. Then they turned around and literally the next you know few days, now he's podcasting with Ish and Ice. But again, like um, like Ma was saying, that was a shot to them to let them know that I'm Joe Button. I'm the star of the show and anybody can be on either side of me. They should have known the writing was on the wall when he dropped, when him and Charlemagne was beefing and he dropped the Joe Button Network. That right. should have been like, a t like, like, hey, what's going on here? What are we doing? It seems like you're putting yourself in a position. You're, you're, that was a move. That was a maneuver. And you would, you would think that would have been a red flag to them. Like, hey, we need to, you know what I'm saying, figure out what's going on here. You can kind of tell when people are positioning themselves. It's just like being in a relationship with somebody. You're in a relationship with somebody and shit's going good and it starts kind of to lag and go bad. Then all of a sudden you notice this motherfucker and kind of like started going to the gym or some shit, getting in shape. You know what I'm saying? They've been filling out job applications. They're kind of hanging out with newer people they ain't been around before. You can see like... Like they you know, ain't ready to dip. They trying yeah. to, it's short skirt season. Yeah. So, so it's trying to get right. There's always these telltale signs. So they hear them go on here and reflect on it. Like, oh, yeah, I went back and looked at this. And Why weren't you looking at that from the first place? And then we all know who Ian is now, or Ian, his Joe's manager. We don't know who their manager is. Do they even have a manager? Right. Why would you be in a situation like that? If we were, if me and you were artists and we go to sign a record deal and you show up with an attorney, but that attorney ain't for both of us. I'm going to be like, hold on, wait a minute. So you got all attorney and I don't? Right. Let me go get my ass an attorney. How, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the dynamic was always there. That You know what I'm saying? The big me, little you was always there. Yeah. And he was always quick to reiterate that. Even when he said, remember when I told you when, I, when you sent me the link to watch when they first came back, you're like, they're back. Mm -hmm. You know, check it out. And, you know, a lot of the fellas were excited. But when I watched it, I said, it ain't going to last. When he says that I don't have to respect my friends, mm -hmm. he's telling you right there how he truly feels about you. Because to me, that's not a friendship. Friendship is a two-way street. So you can't demand respect from me. But then in the same breath, you're saying that it's okay for you to shit on me and that you don't have to respect me as a man or as a friend. That ain't going to last. And you could just even tell the energy after that point, Ma was not feeling it. Uh, every time he said something, he would tap his foot. If you walk back to watch it, he'll be tapping his foot. You could just see it like he's about to punch this nigga any minute now. Mm -hmm. Because, again, a lot of the things that we do, a lot of our cues are nonverbal. Mm -hmm. It's not about what you say. And I told you, I said that chemistry is not there. The mm. vibe is not the same. I said that podcast ain't going to last. 
Sorry to say it. It was so obvious, like it was. It almost seems fake. It almost seems scripted. Very WWE, like because Rory was trying to still laugh with Joe and make jokes. Even her body language, like you said, Joe. When they came back, Joe sat where Rory usually sits. Mm-hmm. Even little subtle shit like that. I mean, you have talked about that, like when you're in the transition of moving and the background behind you, like, you know what I'm saying? We're used to seeing one thing. Then we see another, just people pick up on little optics and stuff like that. Right. When he refused to give him back his seat. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's weird. It might seem subtle on a subconscious level, but it's really something it's saying something mm-hmm. like that. Historically, Maul's always in that tall chair. Right. Joe's in the middle and Rory's on to, to his left or to his right. Depending on how you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we all come back and Rory's in the middle and Joe's sitting there where Rory usually sits. That even little shit like subtle shit like that, people pick up on it. And if you scroll through the comments of all shows, the fans are like pointing all this shit out. Right. Like this is off. This is gonna work. He's not happy. He's forcing it. He's trying to make it. And you can see Rory was trying to be the glue. So then for Joe to turn around and kind of really make it seem like this is all your fault. Yeah, caught him measly. Yeah. You know, and you could tell Rory was really hurt by that because he was one because uh, Maul admitted that there was no going back for him, that if it wasn't for Rory, he wouldn't have went back because at that point he was over it. So because I can't fake it, that energy, that chemistry, that laughing shit, the fun it's not there no more. When you look me in my eyes and tell me after all these years, all this grinding, all this building and pushing that we did, you tell me that this shit is none of my business. I can never unhear that, fam. I can never unhear you say that to me. And, and granted. Maybe there's a, a bunch of adjectives for me, for me trying to force this podcast to keep going. It's not measly. It's not liar. It's not manipulator. No, no. And, 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 Listen, I, and I'll have you back I, on that. I, it was for, never that I, with did you. Did I force something? Maybe. Did I, did I try too hard to make sure this shit? No, went, no. Because I really thought we could get no, back to it. No, maybe. no. You know what you did? You did what you were supposed to do as a friend. Like, yo, fam, let's just make this shit right. Let's just make this shit right. Like, fuck it, man. We built something dope. Let's just, this is just a bump in the road. Let's patch this shit up. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. But I'm going to be honest. Like I told you, I said, fam, I'm done. I had it. You know, and I think that Joe did a lot of pillow talking with them. You know, like I said, even with the DJ academic situation, aside from the whole drama with him and Rory and Rory going up to his house and, you know, cause I know about that whole backstory, mm-hmm. but even before then, like I said, it seemed like they already had beef with DJ Academics back when Joe Button was on Everyday Struggle. Yeah. Because anytime they would talk about it on the podcast, it was always this negativity and salt before the, you know what I'm saying, before Joe Button had an official podcast with them. When he would just, you know, do little shows randomly to talk about what happened on Everyday Struggle, it seemed like there was always like all this shade getting thrown towards DJ Academics. And mm-hmm. I believe because at that time, Joe Button was pillow talking with them and talking shit and telling them things that he didn't like and that he wasn't feeling with either DJ Academics Complex. So that is where their kind of animosity towards at came from. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about it. Even in our situation, that's like me and you are real good friends. And I'm telling you about this other person and how they treat me and they're not shit and they're not a good person and they get on my nerves. And then I hit you up, you know, a few months later and you're like, what you about to do? I'm about to go hang out with this person. I've been talking shit for <laughs> shit about for the past right. months. You're like, what the fuck? What? Y'all done kissed and made up? Like, what's up with that? 
you're going to feel away because you've been hating this person for me as well because mm -hmm. you're my friend. You know, mm -hmm. so I think that's what happened. So that's why they're even more salty and hurt because it's like he's steadily co-signing and being cool with DJ Academics when he just straight disrespects them to no avail. Especially, especially when academics, let's just be real. Who respects academics in industry? I, res I respect his hustle. I respect the fact that he was able to do all this stuff on his own. Mm -hmm. But industry-wide, academics is kind of like not respected by anybody. Nobody yeah. wants to fuck with him. All these rappers hate him. All these rappers check him. Even when they're out every, every day struggling. Remember how Jeezy went up there and checked the shit out of him? Mm-hmm. So, you're, Joe's kind of saying, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, act is lame, but he's a bag. Right. He's getting a big bag. So your friends are looking like, so we're just going to, you know what I'm throw saying? Morals yeah. and, you know, throw all that shit out the window because this dude potentially can bring a big bag. Like, do you hear yourself? Like, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're compromised. And when you've stood on principle all the way up until now, now you're compromised. But you can, if you watch the pod enough, you can see like he was becoming really, and they used to make jokes. They used to call him industry joke. They used to make jokes about this. Because as he was leveling up and starting to rub elbows with all these people, a running joke on the show on the podcast was always Joe secretly works for Atlantic Records. Mm. That's why he's always pushing Atlantic artists. He won't say crazy shit about people on Atlantic. You'll talk about crazy about it. Anybody else in the industry, you know what I'm saying? You went at Eminem, you went at all these other people. It just you can kind of just see when people are becoming compromised and you know what I'm saying? Right. It was right. the same, same issue Star was having with academics when he came onto the show. Mm -hmm. He was like, you're compromised. He was calling him out. And like The time he was telling him, oh, I, I had a three-hour conversation with XXX Tadashian. He was like, you spent three hours on the phone with a man? He was like, yeah, you're becoming compromised. You're becoming industry. You're starting to, it's going to it's gonna cloud your judgment. You're not going to want to say certain things anymore. That definitely became Joe after a while. And when they caught, and they're seeing this and calling it out, and then you're going to stand next to this man and they're having all this personal beef with them and you're still fucking with them. And then you're getting mad when they say, you know, Joe would go do another podcast with academics. And then Miles says, yeah, but you already knew that. You're saying, oh, you, oh, I remember that. That stuff. It's funny when they're both doing their respective little like going live or doing their little rebuttals, or whatever. They're all calling out all this shit that they noticed that was funny about. But it's like, we've been noticed all this shit. Right. So it's like, how does everybody in the world know what's going on with you guys, but you guys? How distant are y'all? How, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But that's how you know that it wasn't as close as everybody thought it was. Maybe in the beginning. Yeah. But definitely, I would say, like, when did you notice that everything really started shifting? Where you were like, it don't seem like they as cool as they once were. Honestly... It wasn't a shift yet, but when they date, when he debuted the State of the Culture uh, show on Revolt, mm -hmm. and he had on that fedora with them leather pants, I was <laughs> like, "What does this nigga have?" On? <laughs> I remember when I, I tuned into the podcast, and I must have just clicked right in the middle of it, and Maul was clowning the shit out of him, like, "Dude, what were you thinking?" He was mm -hmm. like, "Did you get that out of Diddy's closet?" It was funny <laughs> as hell, and it's what Maul always does, and it's what why we like Maul. He always keeps Joe grounded in reality. But mm -hmm. you can kind of see that Joe, because in the next episode of uh, State of the Culture, you know, he always does the intro at the beginning. He right. he made sure he said, yeah, and everybody who had something to say about what I had on, just suck my dick. You know what I'm saying? Like He mm -hmm. made sure he threw that little, little, little shot in there or whatever. 
So it started then when he started to level up. I don't think it was that they were jealous necessarily. They were just calling out certain shit like, nah, you're starting to switch up, bro. We can see it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They even said you were leveling up. You were doing your thing. You're going out getting these bags and we're happy for you. But don't start turning on us and changing. But right. Money- so do you think at that point, you know, because they've been with him doing this podcast now for, you know, several years. Mm-hmm. Do you think at that point, that's when maybe they should have been leveling up and trying to go out there and get their own bag and make their own brand outside of the podcast? Or do you feel like if they would have did that, Joe would have had a problem with that? Because, again, people can be comfortable with you going out and reaching out on your own, but they don't want you to surpass them because that's when there's going to be real conflict. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants you to do good, but not better than them. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to become a threat. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, as long as I'm you can go out and make a million, but as long as I'm making 10 million, it becomes right. that type of thing. It's just interesting because the issues they're having now, how many rappers and rap groups have we seen go through the same situation? Mm-hmm. There's always a Beyonce in a group. There's always one person in the group that's next to blow. If this person goes solo, they're gonna, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In most groups, those guys don't do shit. They sit around, they don't handle their business, they just, you know, they're along for the ride. Right. But your job was literally to go on this podcast and talk about those type of situations. So how do you become a victim of that same situation? <laughs> the irony. Yeah. It- crazy when you really look at the whole scope of the matter you know and and that's the thing it's sad because this should have been like the easiest most funnest job y'all are three homeboys getting paid thousands of dollars to sit back and shoot the shit and gossip sort of bunch yeah. of damn gossipers a, a y'all get paid to do it you know what i mean y'all can try and dress it up and make it hip-hop or whatever but you know i call it how it is everybody be on fucking youtube gossiping mm-hmm. but when it comes to men they try oh i'm doing commentary oh no you're gossiping about other people's business sir <laughs> this is a cautionary tale of how money can fuck up everything right in, in everything enough money can spoil anything like you said they had a dream job you didn't have to do nothing else. I mean, think about it. I had never heard of a podcaster going on tour. A tour? How do you podcast on tour? Right. Y'all's creating a whole new market, a whole new racket, a whole new industry. With that, I was like, oh, that's crazy. And people are lining up. Yeah, people was going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, and they were making good money off of that. So it's like, damn, how do you mess this up? What could mess this up? And it's the same thing always. If it wouldn't have been this, let's just be real. For men, it would have been a girl. Some girl, some industry chick would have been date, used to date mall, and now she's talking to Joe or vice versa. Because those are the two things that mess up everything for us as men. Right. Women and money, especially mm-hmm. in an industry like that. Yeah. It's, it's sad because because the narrative that it paints is that, you know what I'm saying, what people are going to take away is going to be people are going to be funny with money. People are going to be, you know what I'm saying? Why didn't y'all plan? Like, if this blows up, in success, this is what needs to happen. This is what's going to happen. This is how we're going to bust it down. This is how we're going to bust down the shit. Yeah, we never think about that. And I know I mentioned that on the live stream that I did last week is that we always think about the failures when we come together in business. You know, what if this fails? What if this burns and crashes? We never really think about what if this shit takes off and we're able to eat off of this? What if this ends up being the next big thing? You know, so we have to go into business minds with that type of mentality, you know, instead of the defeatist mentality of what if this doesn't work? No, what if it does work? 
So in the event it does work, let's make sure all our paperwork is in place. You agree with the contract. I agree with the contract. So that way there's nothing that can fuck us up down the line once it's successful. Imagine when Rory first brought up the contract with Joe years ago. Imagine if all that would have been taken care of. We wouldn't even be here. And they'd be eating. They'd be good. More irony. More irony. Yeah. You know who Ma's older brother is, right? I'm Biggs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do, how do we know to, for the audience? You have to know who Biggs is? He's the one who helped uh, Rockefeller. He, he helped fund, start Rockefeller. Rockefeller was a three-headed beast. It was Dame Dash, Jay-Z, and Kareem Biggs. So we all know the history of Rockefeller and how that fell apart. Mm-hmm. Similar situation here. This is your older brother. So you've seen this movie before, Ma. How did you get caught up in the same situation? Mm, that's I didn't even think about it, too. That is Big's younger brother. So you've seen this movie and how it plays out. He even said, I had talks with my older brother and blah, blah, blah. Y'all never talked about none of this shit when the podcast started to blow up. Ma was Joe Budden's connection. He was Joe Budden's link to Jay-Z because of his, yep. because of his brother's relationship. So when they were gonna go with title and all that, oh, that's on Maul's face. That's all. That's all Maul's face card. But look how quick Joe was to just dismiss, like he was. Because think about it, I didn't watch their podcast like that. I really only watched when you sent me things or just certain topics or when Lovely Joe was sounding like Lovely T. I, I enjoyed those clips. But um, just think about just somebody who is not like you know into the podcast like the way you and a lot of these guys are. The way he was talking about Maul. I had forgot that was Big's little brother. I'm like, damn, I was a bummy ass dude hiding detergent and, you know what I'm saying, not helping Joe out with the bills. Like, Joe was really dragging him. So I'm glad that Ma was able to speak his piece. Like, you're not going to play me like I was some crackhead that you found and cleaned up from the corner store. Like, nigga, what is you talking about? Like, Ma went in. I'm starting to see everybody's true feelings on, on, on certain things. And people is talking about business that they don't know nothing about. They, they talking about contracts that they don't know nothing about. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. Fam, what the fuck is going on here, man? And then you saying shit, I, you, oh, I lived with you. You making it sound like, oh, nigga, I wasn't. When you met me, I had money in my pocket, nigga. I might have had more money in my pocket than you had if we keeping it 100. I was always hustling. Always. Always doing shit I shouldn't have been doing that I didn't really want to do at, at a time in my life. Allegedly. Allegedly. But I'm just saying, like, I was always a nigga that... If I had to go get it, I would go get it. Mm. So don't try to paint me like I'm some nigga that you found on the street and I was fucked up. I was homeless and I was sleeping on your couch. I'm hiding detergent and all this shit. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Let's talk about what you hiding. Just think if he never had said anything, people would run with that. Oh, you're just yeah. Joe Budden's bummy ass friend that he picked up. Mm-hmm. Stupid. You let that white boy come between you and your friend and, and your bag and all this and that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because the way he was talking, I, I sure enough forgot that was Big's little brother. The thing we see about lies, Charlemagne always says, uh, who cares about the truth when a lie is so entertaining? Mm-hmm. And also, it's about who's first to market with the story. Yep. Who's going to be first to put their story out there? Mm-hmm. They're going to control the narrative. Speaking of Charlemagne, I got a throwback. Remember when uh, Joe Budden was, respond- uh, was responding to Charlamagne, they were beefing about the whole podcast network thing mm-hmm. a few months ago, back in August. I'm going to go ahead and play this clip really quick. Charlamagne, let me help you. I know that you have this healthy obsession with me. I know that you think we are competing. 
it, you might also think that we're fighting the same fight. You would be sadly mistaken in all three of those. This goes back to the Breakfast Club interview with Dame Dash. And he tried to tell y'all, but it went how it went when you're trying to explain something to people who just cannot imagine that. Yeah. Charlemagne, you're not going to get it because I own this. Mm. <laughs> my most valuable, my most powerful, my most accomplished asset, I own it ownership you see all these black people running around preaching ownership 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 there's a reason for it you my friend work for iheart and have for 10 years i came in here one day and said yo stephen a smith got 10 million a year i see him on everything <laughs> he's doing the finals sports center he's interviewing athletes he's fucking talking to Max, he's talking to this person, he's got a radio show, he's doing everything in the world. 10 million? Well, yeah, when well, you don't own some shit. <laughs> yeah. We got that part. But let's zero in on what it means. Charlemagne, you broke an entire, you broke an entire radio station. Number one, morning drive. 10 years in a row. I asked him when I spoke to him, do you think you're paid properly? For the work that you've done? <laughs> How much y'all make up there? You ain't got to answer it. <laughs> you don't have to answer it. I know, y'all know. Go to sleep and think about it. But 10 years at number one, breaking a radio station, breaking the network, because it's iHeart. Right. They also have a podcast division. See, Charlemagne, for me, Joe would never do that because it signifies conflict of interest. Whoa, the radio has a podcast department. <laughs> No, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I only thought the Spotify shit would make sense because they were fighting with the labels. Let's get them some money and see what they do with it. We synced it. <laughs> now we know. And I'm coming back to tell people. Like we've done historically. <laughs> we've. This has always been who we have been. I see people saying, there go Joe burning a bridge again. There's oppression on the bridge. <laughs> Years ago, I was like, yo, why Cap want to be in the NFL if the NFL is wild? They would have to make changes first. And that's what he, he ain't in. <laughs> he ain't in, he ain't trying to be in. He's still trying to affect change on the outside. I cannot have somebody with a voice as powerful as you just be misinformed on shit. 10 years, y'all number one. How are you paid? I'm listening to your fucking ads. We're not having the same fight behind the scenes. Mm. The irony. The irony. The irony. And what was so crazy, I know you heard Maul and uh, Rory co-signing. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. In the background, throwing the look, mm-hmm, preach. <laughs> and the whole time, y'all's contract is not right. He's saying that him and Charlemagne are not on the same level. When they play your videos, ads run. Mm-hmm. Okay. I caught that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I caught the shade too, because ads run all through my shit, boo. But guess what? Them checks is nice. So uh, th that's irrelevant. But you know what he was saying, it sounds so good. And it was, and I agree with him at the time. 
Because remember, I did I did a whole breakdown on this on YouTube. I agree 100% with what Joe was saying, but I also understood where Charlemagne was coming from. They're both about their bag, but they're getting it in different ways. You got to do what works for you and whatever situation, whatever hand you're dealt. But he's doing all this talking about money and, you know, I own this. That right there should have let Rory and Mal know that this don't got nothing to do with y'all brothers. This is there are so many contradictions in what he said and what he was saying. It's interesting that Charlemagne has been very tight-lipped about this whole situation. Yeah, he threw his little shade on the Breakfast Club by promoting his friends' books and, you know, things like that, showing that he supports his friends. Mm -hmm. You know, he hasn't really said anything, but I'm sure he'll, he'll be saying something on Brilliant Idiots podcast soon enough, you know. But one person who did say something today was Kevin Hart. And I didn't know Kevin Hart and Joe Budden had issues like that. You were telling me some stuff. Where do their where do their issues come from? Just every time Kevin Hart was in the news feed, Joe Budden had a lot to say about it. Going back to the little sex scandal, especially when the little car accident happened or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, who wasn't talking about Kevin Hart when he was doing all this goofy shit? Child, like, I drove him during that car accident. Joe has a big platform. Some of the shit he said was very funny, so a lot of it went viral. And, of course, it's going to get back to Kevin Hart, who, to his credit, does keep his ear to the street. So he hears all the shit that people are talking about. him. Yeah, so, I didn't even know Kevin Hart had a podcast. Child. It seemed like every celebrity has a podcast. <laughs> I'm like, they all got podcasts. So I'm going to go ahead and play what Kevin Hart had to say about Joe Button. He wasn't here for it. He basically is letting him know that he's a poor example of leadership. So, yeah, Kevin didn't hold no punches. Here's the question of the day. How does it make sense to you to have such strong actions against the people that were with you as you built the brand that you now stand on? And demand respect for this brand that has allowed you to not only succeed and have success has been accompanied by your partners. Work for hires, maybe, but they're your partners. I got something to say, please. So while I agree with you, um, we never ask you what you got coming in. Mm -hmm. And if we did, we know you wouldn't fire us, but would you feel some type of way about that? No, which is why I I open up the dialogue all the time. You guys don't ask because you're always in the know. Mm. Like there's never there's never a dark a dark circle or a door that can't be opened. Like I think the one thing that we've done very well, and I'll say this on air, you know, I'll give this information for other people that are doing things with their friends, with their brothers, whomever in business, a lot of these relationships get messed up when the relationship in business kind of cross lines. And the one thing that I've always done to try to prevent that to the best of my ability, and I think I've done a great job so far, is give the information. Give the information. Give the ins and outs so there's understanding. And if there are questions, we table them. As partners, as a group, because no matter what, the machine is our machine. Regardless of make my guys feel as if it wasn't. So for the life of me, this isn't a 
this isn't a petty moment. This is a real, like, this is a real vocal moment that I'm just taking the opportunity to make sure I say. I have witnessed this man be vocal about so much on behalf of me, my career, my moves, and everything. And I don't care. I shut up. I don't give a fuck. This is what it is. You guys know I'm no stranger to negativity. I don't care about that. But I actually was a supporter of the progression of him and his podcast. From afar. I'm a fan of your growth. I'm a fan of what you're doing and the conversation behind it. That's dope. Yo, he's not doing business here. He wants to own it. He wants control. It's dope. To see you publicly shit on the guys that was with you, that's an example of poor leadership. That's an example of why you are where you are. This is why. Here's the answer. Point blank. You want to be by yourself. You want to be King Dingling. Oh. You can't do that. You can't do that. Wealth should be shared, not owned. Facts. So this is a shout out, man, to Rory and Maul. You guys were dope as fuck at that job. Once again, I was a fan of the fucking podcast. It's a sad day to see this shit end when you guys were on your way to what seemed to be higher levels of success. I don't sit up here and promote the negativity. Wish there was a world where you could work it out. But you need a good fucking leader that understands it's not just him. All right. So you just heard that. So what did you think about what Kevin Hart had to say? I just thought he said a lot of what everybody else is saying. And like he said, the leadership thing, what stuck out to me when he said that was, I remember a lot was, because they were calling uh, Joe Button, Suge Button this weekend. Mm. <laughs> Instagram, he kept trying to go back on there and go live <laughs> and talk about other shit. And people were just clowning him in the comments. Oh, yeah. I remember back in the day during the interview, Suge said, even though he was still taking shots at, at Snoop and him, he was saying, when Snoop and RBX and Rage and the Dog Pound, when they have success, I'm not going to have a shit on that because they came from me. They're a part of me. Joe doesn't get that. You should never publicly diss the people that got you where you got to because no. you are always going to be related in some form or fashion. You're always going to be connected. And you notice all the successful people never do that. When you go and they venture off and do their thing, it's not in your best interest. So the fact that you did all this publicly, it just makes you look crazy. Why would I want to be in business with you? And this is how you did your friends. Yeah. It's not just the fact that this happened. If there's some shady shit, the contracts, or every time they try to come to you about some business shit, you snapped out and went off and all that. That's already kind of shady and suspicious right there. But if that's all behind the scenes, is behind the scenes. The fact that you want to publicly fire them, and then you put out the shit and then you take it down immediately. But, you know, like you said, once it's on the Internet, it's out there forever. So yeah. all that seems strategic, not to mention what nobody's realizing is in this whole situation, he's just going to make more money just off of this beef or just off of this controversy. How much is he already probably generated? True. <laughs> if, if this is the end of the podcast, shit, he just went out with a bang. Just this, just this leaked audio of this leaked episode. How many views has it gotten already? This is everybody's talking about this. Mm-hmm. So he's found a way. He's the, he's found a way to profit off of shitting off his friends and 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 doing them dirty. If that's how you read it, 
Yeah, and he's done it before because that's the same thing that happened with Complex. Mm-hmm. Same thing he did to Spotify, you know, and it's it's unfortunate, but it's so funny. Like I saw one person, they wrote this on Twitter. They said that man barked on little Yachty until he was literally red in the face for not knowing the specifics of his deal. Then fired Rory and Mal when they want to know the specifics of their deal. He's a wild nigga. Yeah, they've been dragging him on social media. And he tried to go live yesterday, um, you know, and it was just a bunch of mush mouth, um, narcissistic, you know, nonsense. The whole, and that's what narcissists do. That's why I feel like he's a straight up narc. Because he he tried to twist it around. He tried to play victim and pray for my brothers. You know, they're kind of mad with me. But you started all of this. Mm-hmm. They didn't just come out and, and do a rebuttal. They didn't come out and attack you. You brought it to the masses first, being messy. And then as soon as you get the backlash, now it's pray for everybody in this situation. No, keep that same energy you had when you were lying and saying that Ma was hiding laundry detergent in your house and not sharing with the rest of the household. And then, was that, was that, that even sincere? Like Right. I didn't I didn't get no sincerity out of that. That seemed bipolar to the motherfucker. Like, wait a minute, you were just clowning the shit out of now. It's pray for my friends and you're mad mm-hmm. at me. What? And then he low-key tried to apologize to Rory, and it's like, it's a little bit too late now. Like, don't come in trying to apologize because you you went off. But, like, the whole live stream, you can see people's comments. They're like, you ruined everything. You got your game from Diddy. Your hats are terrible. They were <laughs> roasting him on that live. And you know he only did it because that was his narcissistic ego. Mm-hmm. Let me try and go live. I know I'm the, the, you know, the talk of the time right now. Let me go live because I know thousands of people because i know thousands of people are going to rush in here to see what i got to say so again getting that narcissism fixed i don't think he was sincere at all and you know why i really don't think he was sincere think about them 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 big old 3d glasses he had on his damn face mm-hmm. okay <laughs> when you want to show sincerity and you want to apologize we need to see your eyes bro eyes are the windows to the soul this dude and i know there's some type of name brand trust me i know mm-hmm. but they i don't give a damn you know what what brand they are they look like some big ass 3d glasses but even that in itself it's no nah, i'm gonna get on here with these five thousand dollar shades on and mm-hmm. all, all this is just showing how far like i said it's all about optics you know what i'm saying Mm-hmm. I can't come to you and say I'm a man of the people and I'm just like y'all and I'm with y'all. And when y'all look in the background, I'm at Oceanside and shit and there's a phantom in one corner. There's three bad chicks over there. Somebody's, you know what I'm saying, cooking me a steak right on the beach and shit. You're like, you're, you're like me. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> so there's some things you can't hide. Like my mom always taught me, you can't hide wealth and you can't hide when you're poor. You can try to fake it, but it eventually it's going to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's going to come to light. Yeah. And so when people switch up and change and start acting brand new, it ain't hard to tell when they switch up or whatever. And I don't have a problem with people going to the next level and blowing up. Most people just kind of switch up on their friends and get distant. The fact that you made it your business to publicly humiliate your people like that, that's what seems unethical and crazy and Almost even even a little bit of paranoia in there. Mm-hmm. Like, let me hurt and get this story out and make them look bad. Because remember, everybody was clowning Rory and Mal. And so I'm glad that they decided to speak out. Because had they just not spoken out and just, you know, let it be water under a bridge, 
it really would have ruined them and their reputation. At least now they're speaking up and now it kind of makes sense because everything's been so one-sided because again, it was brought to the fans. Like they just decided to abandon the podcast and then Joe had to scramble to go find people to replace them. And then he bought in ice and um, ish. And that was not the situation. I want to send a shout out to T Grodamas. Always <laughs> on play predicting the future. This is going to go one or two ways. Let's say they continue. He continues to get this public backlash and it continues mm-hmm. to look negative. Eventually he's going to see this is going to start affecting his deals. Think about it. We're in an era where people say something fucked up five years ago and we find out about it today and people start backing out of deals with them and stuff like that. Right. Right. This can affect your back. I see one of two things happening. He might go that Nick Cannon route where he ends up getting on. If he gets enough backlash, we'll get that tweet. Just remember, I said it right here on some Tigro Dobbin shit mm-hmm. that I'm a fake like I'm about to hurt myself. Mm. I'm so depressed. Uh, I lost my friends. This shit wasn't worth it. Like, trust me, it's coming. It, it, it just goes, or it could go the other way, and he goes on to have success. But the cat's out the bag. So now, if you do the show, he he already did a dry run with uh, Ish and Ice. So now he can just continue on with them. He said he has all these crazy deals coming up. Him and Joe. I mean, him and uh, Acker about to get all this money and this and that. And he has all these deals on the table for all this stuff. It could go either way because we can't deny his talent. We can't deny the fact that he's a draw that people pay attention to him. He might become the nigga we love to hate. That might be his bread and butter going forward. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. he's even people that love the pod and are big fans of him admit he's always been an asshole. Right. It's of, honestly, it's part of his appeal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is the same guy that Consequence stole on on the Love and Hip Hop reunion. I mean, let's not forget that. This dude has always been kind of a jerk. And and even Mal said that it was his people who ran to go check Consequence. Yeah. When he got stolen. So if you think about it, this isn't really that far removed from his personality. We're just getting to see that money really does make you more of who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think I can see him doing the deal with academics because that's probably going to be more of a benefit to him financially than the whole Ish and Ice situation. Even though a lot of people did enjoy Ish and Ice on the podcast, I could see him and DJ Academics trying to recreate everyday struggle. Because I know DJ Academics has been saying that he wants to get into podcasting and he's been looking for a podcast partner. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how long it's going to last because DJ Academics is on some really arrogant shit. Let you me get know. back into my Tigradamus bag. Look okay, at that. Go, let's go. Mark my words. We are going to hear about a huge falling out, whether they get a big bag or not. Eventually, you can see it's just like professional wrestling to me. You see mm-hmm. these wrestlers, and, and you can just tell, oh, eventually this dude's going to turn on this dude, and that's going to be a bunch of matches. And eventually, all oh, this is a setup for academics and Joe Button to have a major falling out. It's mm. going to happen. And they're both messy as hell. So right. we're going to get all this content with him shitting on Joe and exposing all the stuff he knows about him and vice versa. Right. Y'all's not friends to begin with. This is just the, y'all's business friends. He knows that act is funny as hell. All that 6 9 shit. You do not like 6 9 And this dude is, at this point, the, the biggest 6 9 fan in the world. It's all type of little questionable shit right there. Right, it's gonna pass with that whole situation. It's definitely gonna come, come, there's gonna come a time where they're beefing and we're gonna be tuned in for it. And it's gonna get a bunch of views and they're gonna make a bunch of money off of that. 
but it's gonna come. It's gonna come to pass. The same way Charlemagne told Joe Button to his face, he's gonna mess this up. He said everything everywhere Joe goes, he messes it up. So maybe that's his gift in life. He 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 attracts the bag, then he fumbles it. Maybe that's his maybe that's his journey in life. He's gonna just keep doing that. Maybe he'll do that till he's a billionaire. Right. And I also think with the whole DJ academics thing as well, is one thing with Joe, he more or less kind of wears his wealth. He doesn't brag about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. academics wants you to know he has, you know, Bentleys and Rolls Royces and, you know, just whatever all he has. And that alone is going to be a turnoff to an audience like Joe. Mm-hmm. Because most of the guys who watch Joe and, and Roy and Mal, you know, they liked them and their dynamic because they were more down to earth. They were relatable. Mm-hmm. DJ Academics is always reminding y'all that if y'all are not entrepreneurs and doing what he's done, you're not shit. Yeah. You can't even address him if you're not rolling in a phantom or if you don't have a pool. And the thing is, I mean, he does a lot of bragging, but anybody who's been on YouTube for years, if you know how to manage your money, everybody's eating. Everybody's, you know? eating. everybody's eating as long as you know what you're doing. So it's like, I just don't understand the constant bragging and acting like nobody else has anything. And he keeps trying to say that, you know, Rory and Mal are broke and they're not shit and this and that, but you don't know what all they have. Be a little bit humble. Cause let's not act like you invented like a whole new software that went viral or like you're the inventor of, of Facebook or Instagram. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I don't know if that's going to really rock with a lot of Joe's audience. The dynamic that made them work on everyday struggle was the fact that there was a contrast between Joe older, older hip hop guy. Some would say older hater and mm-hmm. academic, the young chat internet dude, mm-hmm. that contrast where Joe was always checking it, always checking that, always reading him his rights. Now y'all both got a gang of money. Mm-hmm. This shit could be very, very boring. It's like going back, circling back to the DJ Khaled thing I was talking about. You're going to give us an album with 12 songs talking about the same shit. It sounds like we're listening to the same songs over and over again. You're even using the same artists over and over again. Right. How many how many people listen to albums nowadays where on every song the rapper's just talking about how much money he has, how much we, that shit gets born fast. Like, mm-hmm. so y'all going to do a podcast and talk about all your industry friends and how you, it's like once you get to a certain level, you're no longer the underdog. You no longer represent this thing that you represented before. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have this kind of tainted perspective on everything. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and especially because we all know Act wants to be industry. He can say what he wants to say about being independent and being on YouTube. He wants to be where Charlemagne is. He wants oh, that respect. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't be as pressed as he always is about when industry guys don't mess with him or, you know, when he blasts people in the industry. You know, so he definitely wants that industry validation for whatever reason. I don't get it, but to each his own. So it, it is going to be very interesting to see. Do I think they'll get views? Absolutely. Because one thing I will say about academics fan base, they're very loyal. They are very loyal to him. Um, You know, people say that they're a bunch of nerds who live in their mother's basements. I don't Mm -hmm. know about all that because I know a lot of grown guys who got themselves together who are big fans of Axe. So Mm -hmm. he does have a very loyal fan base. So whatever he decides to work on, they will be there to support. Now, as far as Joe's fan base right now, they're holding him to task. 
Yeah. So I don't know how his fan base is going to respond because there was even somebody they wrote this. They said Joe Button is out here treating Rory and Mal the same way he manipulates his undocumented 19 year old Dominican women. Hate to see <laughs> they have been dragging him. I'm telling you all night. Somebody else says, Joe Button, you rent a mansion that you treat like a homeless shelter for desperate Dominican women. Simmer down. <laughs> One the internet thing, is not playing, honey. One thing about it, though, just like I, I got to go back to professional wrestling with this. Everybody loves a good bad guy. Mm. Everybody. Remember when Hulk Hogan went bad? Yep. He said he made more money as a bad guy than he made in the 20, 30 years before that in his whole career. He made more money in five years as a bad guy than he did as 25 years as, as a good guy. Everybody loves a good bad bad guy. So I don't think Joe Budden is going to lose a dollar going forward, but mm. he might have a tainted Look, you know what I'm saying? I mean, look at Puff. We've been talking about Puff for years. Like, Puff ain't shit. Puff is vile. Puff, the Black Rob shit, the, you know what I'm saying? Puff mm-hmm. don't look up for his artist. Puff is a billionaire. He ain't going nowhere. Yep. Sometimes you can just become the nigga people love to hate. But there's money in it. And if money is your end game, hey, more power to you. Yeah. It's all going to boil down to can you sleep at night when it's all said and done? Mm-hmm. You can, so be it. So, yeah, this was an amazing podcast, Taim, and I appreciate you for coming on here and chopping it up with me in the audience. I think we hit on a lot of really good points with this. Mm-hmm. You got Thank any you last words? No, nope. thanks for having me, and stay tuned because it's going only going to get interesting from here. I personally think if him and Act do something together, they're going to mm-hmm. cancel each other out. But It'll be interesting to see, nonetheless. It definitely will be. All right. On that note, y'all, we are out. Thanks again for tuning in to Tea Time Unfiltered. We'll holler at y'all later. Deuces. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.